Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris. Go away, you fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hockey school, hockey school, hockey school. And Blake, Iowa Gopher. I'm only here as a welfare check. <laughs> he lives. He lives. Well, as Andy alluded to, uh, it is almost that time, friends. Uh, Frozen 4 uh, is this weekend. Uh, we have the Gophers uh, dropping the puck tomorrow night at, is it 7.30 Central, Andy? Yep, 7.30. Or is that Eastern? Nope, 7.30 Central face-off. 7.30 Central face-off against Minnesota State Mankato. Uh, we're going to do Ask Blake a Hockey Question. Get it in nice and early. Blake. Oh, God. Minnesota State's mascot is? Um... I want to say like a bowl or something. I don't know. That that is technically correct. They're the, they're, they're the Mavericks. They're the Mavericks. The it is a purple bull, or as we affectionately like to call them, the Fighting Purple Cows. Um, so. we, we we also we also have accepted James Garner. <laughs> I had a logo pictured in my head. I was like, I don't know if this is for a different Minnesota team, but I was like, I'm just gonna, it's all I have, so it's all I was gonna go with. Well, welcome to success in the final uh, Ask Blake a Hockey question of the season. I feel like you've been on a steady, not meteoric, but steady rise since the beginning, albeit with a long period of inactivity. Um, can I get just a minute for an acceptance speech, you know, just to kind of cap this? Sure, go for it. I just want to thank, um, you know, all the listeners out there that supported me through this and, you know, stuck with me and never, you know harassed me or told me that i couldn't do it um it's just been nothing but love and support um no thanks to andy and chris you know they never supported me um they just want to see me <laughs> fail uh so just shout out to all the supporters out there well congratulations uh, as the music plays him off we'll turn it over towards andy andy we are you know i mean we're recording on wednesday night so at this point we're under 24 hours away from puck drop um for you, what is what has you excited and apprehensive coming into this game? Yeah, you know, I mean, we, we talked a lot about it last week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is the first time in, in the very long, you know, foreseeable future that the Gophers are coming into a Frozen Four as a true underdog. Um, I mean, on paper, Minnesota's the lowest-seeded remaining team of the four teams in the Frozen Four. Um, you know, they, they don't have... They're really well-rounded. You know, they don't they don't have Michigan's crazy powerful offense. They don't have Minnesota State's ridiculously insane college goalie and deep tight defense. Um, you know, Denver is another team that they're they they're good at all facets of the game, kind of like Minnesota. But um, 
you know, it, it's it's just exciting to be back here, obviously, for the first time in, in eight years. Uh, if you haven't seen it by the time you listen to this, whenever it may be, uh, the you dropped a three-minute, 15-second hype video for the game Thursday night, which is uh, insa- insane, intense, all of the above. Um, definitely gets the blood pumping and ready to go. So, um, no, I, I, I do think, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for the fact that we're back in the Frozen Forum. I'm excited for the fact that we get to take an in-state rival, uh, the team that knocked us out of the uh, NCAA tournament last year. would love to be able to uh, return the favor Thursday night. Um, but they're going to have to play a damn near perfect hockey game. I mean, Minnesota State's defense is that good. Um, they shut out the Gophers 4 nothing last year, and as Bob Motzko was saying in some of his press conferences, they fell down 2 nothing pretty quick and then tried to go for the uh, the Hail Mary shot, tried to, to get back into it. They didn't, you know, they didn't play their game. They got they got rattled, and they tried doing things outside of what they normally did, and they never really got a chance to get back in the game. So, um, you know, I think Minnesota's going to have to play their game. Uh, you know, they're going to have to work on getting the puck through the neutral ice, which against this Minnesota State trap is not going to be easy. They're going to have to get the puck into the zone, and they're going to have to work on, on possession and keeping and getting shots and trying to get rebounds. Dryden McKay is a great goalie. Um, he'll stop the vast majority of the pucks Minnesota puts on net. So it's going to take some dirty goals. It's going to take some some lucky tips. It's going to take some some sloppy, hardworking things in front. You know, you're not going to get you're not going to get a lot of wrist shots from from the point past McKay. So uh, Minnesota's going to have to work. They're going to have to you know find the open man. They're going to have to play as a team. They're going to have to play smart. Um, if they play their game, they can win. If they don't, unfortunately, Minnesota State will probably win and then move on to take on either Denver or Michigan. So um, it's all a matter of of playing up to potential. I mean, the Gophers have been tested against UMass. Um, They were tested at least for a period, even though Western Michigan didn't get a goal, Um, although it was disallowed. You know, they were tested well in that period. Um, They're going to have to deal with adversity. If they can deal with adversity, if they they can withstand the pressure, if they can, you know, if they get down one or even two, not completely lose their composure, I think they've got a good chance. But, you know, until they till they hit the ice Thursday night, you never know exactly what you're going to get. And hopefully uh, when all said and done, we're we're uh, getting ready for one more game Saturday night. Andy, what what side of you uh, is winning out in a prediction for for the game on Thursday night? Is it uh, the optimist or the or the Minnesota fan who has been close but no cigar too many times? Um, you know, I, I think in this matchup, it, it, just for your own sanity, you go full optimist. I don't, you know, it's it's you can easily see a situation where, where the Gophers will lose, but uh, in this situation, you know, I, I have faith in them. I have faith in doing what they need to do. Minnesota State has won something like seventeen games in a row, uh, just like the Gophers when they dropped the Big Ten title game. They're they're due for a, a little bit of a stinker. So I do think uh, – I, I got a prediction. I think the Gophers will pull it off. I think they win 3-2 on uh, on Thursday in advance to face either Denver or Michigan on Saturday, in which case all bets are off in that game. We've seen the Gophers play great against Michigan. We've seen the Gophers play horrible against Michigan. Um, and there's no guarantee that Denver won't beat Michigan. Denver is a really, really, really good team. So, uh, you know, if Minnesota can get past Minnesota State, what you're going to see is a completely different hockey game from Thursday to Saturday if the Gophers get through. Uh, Minnesota State, like we said, is that sort of trapping, defensive-minded, plotting team. Uh, as we've seen when we play Michigan, it's 
60 minutes, full speed, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Denver's going to play similar to that way, too. So, um, you know, the Gophers will have – they're going to try and win national title number six. They're going to have to play two completely different styles. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping they can they can do it and pull it off. Blake, uh, obviously, as uh, a renowned hockey expert, thus the uh, award-winning performance earlier this evening – what is your prediction for Thursday night's game? I have no goddamn idea. <laughs> you, you literally just have to pick numbers and assign them to teams. Um, I think Minnesota will win four to two. See, was that hard? I mean, not really. I mean, we'll see how it fares. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not an informed <laughs> opinion by any means. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're bloggers. When did informed opinions start I, you know, to make some sort of... A... I'll give Andy credit. He know, he generally knows what he's talking about when it comes to hockey. That's true. I trust he, him. Dude's been watching hockey since, like... Did they bring you as, like, an infant to hockey games, your parents? Uh, not probably five or six, but it's been it's been 30-some-odd years, so it's it's been a lot. And, you know, I mean, that's that's the thing, is being a fan, and I'm sure there's some people here that have been fans that long. It's, you've seen a lot. You've seen, you know, Gopher fans, Gopher hockey fans, especially been through a lot, everything through the uh, the scar to shot off the pipe in 89 in the Civic Center to, you know, more Doug Woob teams making it to the Frozen Four after Frozen Four and not being able to get the job done. Uh, the thrill of 2002, 2003, by the way, we are recording this, Wednesday night on the 20th anniversary of the uh, 2002 title championship game. Uh, that's a good omen. Um, you know, and then the heartbreak of everything going up from um, <clears throat> that game that shall not be named um, to, you know, just uh, point the thrill of point six and then the agony of coming back two days later and watching a team full of 25 year olds of, of union just absolutely take it to you. And uh, that's the, the last memory that, that Minnesota has had in the frozen four is, is that union championship game in, in 2014. So, um, you know, the, the Gophers did win the Worcester regional, which was hosted by Holy cross. So, you know, if you're, if you're a uh, omen loving man, we're, we're cutting off a, a couple more of those, uh, those things in there. And, um, you know, obviously Bob Motzko has been through an absolute hell of the last nine months. Um, you know, some of the other events this week, not potentially helping that either. But I think this team would absolutely love to uh, to get him a title and, and get him something this weekend. So hopefully the Gophers can put it all together and, and play as a team. And, and, you know, they've gone through so much adversity, but they've really bonded together. And then now is the time to put it together for, for two more games and then bring home title number six to Dinky Town. You know what I love about being a, a Minnesota sports fan is the number of Scottish play games that are out there. You know, we can't talk about it. Can't say its name. Don't talk about Bruno. The number of don't talk about Bruno games we have across teams, across sports, uh, it's, it's actually, it's almost, it's almost impressive in its frustratingness. All right, but we're not going to dwell on that. We got more excitement in the national tournaments to, to talk about. Uh, gymnastics advanced from the Norman, Oklahoma regional. Uh, they were the second best squad uh, of the uh, squads competing, uh, which guaranteed them a back-to-back -back appearance, second year in a row, in the national finals. Um Excuse me. This year being held down in Fort Worth, Texas. So I believe, Andy, that's their first back-to-back -back, uh, appearance in the national finals. Correct? 
It is, yeah. The uh, the Gophers, I believe, this will be their their seventh all time appearance in the national finals. But yes, the first time they've ever gone back to back. Previous to last year, the uh, the last time was 2016. So uh, really, this this super senior group of uh, Lexi Ramler and and Anna Loper, and then added by the emergence of uh, sophomore Maya Hooten is is a triple threat. Um, has really you know put this team in in. The limelight has been amazing to watch them, and and they get one more chance to to go out with glory next Thursday. Uh, I did see they're in the noon Central Time session of the NCAA semifinals. Eight teams left. Uh, they compete in two four-team sessions, one Thursday afternoon, the other one Thursday night, and the top two teams from each session will advance to the team national championship on Sunday, or uh, Saturday afternoon. Excuse me. Um, but Thursday not only is it important to advance the team, but the scores that you, each individual scores on Thursday is how the individual national championships are determined. So uh, Lexi Ramler, Onalopa, both will be up for the all-around. Uh, Ramler will have a good shot if she competes her best at uh, uh, uneven bars and uh, balance beam. Loper on the vault. And on the floor exercise, and, and Maya Hooten on the floor all have full legitimate chances to bring home individual NCAA championships back to uh, Minneapolis. So uh, that'll be next Thursday, oh, uh, noon, and I believe that will be on uh, ESPN2. Yes, ESPN2, noon. Um, the Gophers, as a team, will have a ridiculously tough time to get through. They are the lowest-seeded lowest team of the four. Uh, they will get stuck facing number one Oklahoma again. Um, and then number four, Utah, and number five, Alabama. Uh, the Gophers went to Salt Lake and faced Utah about a month and a half ago and, and lost to the Utes there. So um, it will take literally the best probable team performance in Minnesota history if they're going to try and make it out of the semifinals to the national finals. Um, but, you know, just, just getting here again two years in a row is great, and they'd love to be able to make a performance and, and improve on last year's eighth-place finish. Uh, but obviously those those individual events and the all-around for, for Loper and for Rambler are going to be the definitely the things we'll be watching next Thursday to see if, uh, as a team, probably not going to happen, but I'd love to see at least one individual championship coming home. Well, uh, you may have noticed, obviously, that we have Blake with us. It was not just for Ask Blake a Hockey Question. Uh, Blake's return his triumphant return to the pod also means spring football. Uh, obviously, um, well, not obviously. God, it feels like it shouldn't be spring football yet, but you've got teams like Michigan already finishing spring games. So we're very much into the spring football season, despite what the weather may be telling us. Uh, Blake, what I'm really interested in is kind of what are some storylines you're watching uh, as spring football progresses? Well, I mean, all eyes are going to be on the offense this spring. Um, to me, the biggest win of the offseason was obviously retaining Joe Rossi as defensive coordinator. Um, you know, he was a finalist for the Notre Dame job after have, feeling a top five defense last year. Um, I think we're all there's some hand ring that he was going to end up there. But thankfully, he's going to be at Minnesota for at least one more season. So we know what he can do on the defense side of the ball. Obviously, the biggest change is on the opposite side where we've got, you know, a familiar face in Kirk Schrock as offensive coordinator and um, I think it's safe to say the biggest Achilles heel on this team last season was the passing game and the offense overall. Um, and be, there's going to be a lot of change on that side of the ball. Um, you know, even though you have Tanner back for his 50th year starter, uh, you've got uh, <laughs> one returning start on the offensive line. I mean, there's 
the good news is there's you know upperclassmen that can that are going to step up into those roles like you know you had a Nathan Bow and Axel Rushmeyer, um, some transfers like Chuck uh, Filianga from Michigan, um, Aranti Ursary is probably the youngest guy that, that might be one of those starting roles. So there's you know there's some talent on the offensive line, but it, that's that's such a huge change to go from five veteran starters to bringing one guy back and having four guys who have seen action throughout their careers but haven't you know been that starter for the long haul before. So um, that's going to take some adjustments there, but I think the biggest thing everyone's looking at is, you know, Tanner Morgan and whether he can, you know, recreate that match he had with Kirk back in 2019. Um, you know, the biggest thing is he's, he just has, he's never really come from the offense. You know, he'd always lock in on Chris Hopman Bell, um, really struggled just making decisions, making good throws, making good decisions, um, reading coverages. So really hoping Kirk can, you know, get him back into his groove, get him back into an offense where he's comfortable and can make, you know, quick decisions and help, you know, bring back more of the RPO game, which is what his, was his strength. So I think a lot of eyes are going to be on that passing game. I don't know how much you're going to see this spring, like in terms of, you know, restoring your faith in what, what they can do. I know they've got a lot of talented players. Um, they definitely need some playmakers to step up wide receiver. You've got Chris Hoffman Bell, um, Dalen Wright. We all know what he can do. It's a matter of just living up to that potential. I think he's one to watch. If, if you can get him going, as, as a great, you know, one-two punch with Chris Hoffman Bell, that's going to be a fantastic, you know, offense. You've got Brevin Span Ford, who I know a lot of people are concerned about, you know, the, the role of the tight end in the passing game with Kirk being back, because that really wasn't much of a thing when he was OC. But um, when you've got a player that talented, you've seen what he can do the past couple of years, even in just limited action. Um, I, it's, I have a hard time believing that P.J. Flex is going to allow him to just kind of retreat back into a primary blocking role. So um, really, yeah, it, a lot of the storylines are on that offensive side of the ball. And two... You know, the offensive backfield, you've got Mohamed Ibrahim still working his way back from injury, and he's also, you know, observing Ramadan, so he won't be participating in practice much. Um, you've got Bryce Williams still working his way back. Um, you need to wrap Bucky Irving and bubble wrap because I think it's him and Zach Evans are the only healthy scholarship running backs uh, this spring. So um, definitely going to be an interesting uh, spring for the offense, but uh, hopefully this is the time where they kind of figure out, you know, what went wrong this past year. I know Fleck in his you know, introductory press conference for spring talked about how they kind of poured over film multiple times. And he said he failed. He felt like he failed as a head coach last year because of their struggles on that side of the ball. So obviously it's good to hear that, that that they know that side of the ball really needs some work. But, uh, but yeah, I I think in terms of storylines, that's, that's the most interesting side of the ball for me headed into spring ball. Yeah. I think flex uh, admission there is, it was, that was a pretty frank admission to say, Hey, look, you know, there was a nine win season. Uh, you know, there's a win over a rival. Um, there's a there's a bowl victory, uh, and also I failed because we put out an offense that you know squandered other opportunities. Um, that's that's you know a little more frank than you sometimes get from a coach, even in the spring. So that was that was nice. I mean, you have to think that they were aware of it, and clearly they are, and hopefully they're making good changes. Andy, I guess. For you, what are you keeping your eye on as, as uh, the spring progresses? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's going to be looking at the trenches. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, unless, obviously, we'll see it. We've got an entire f- uh, fall to see how, how the playmaker is evolving from the running back in the wide receiver spots. But I think, you know, all in all, uh, somebody will step up and, and come through there. It, it's going to be the lines for me. I mean, obviously, uh, the offensive line, we lost so much. 
And so you've got a lot of guys out there trying to make sure they can secure spots. They, they've been in the program now two, three, four years, uh, but they haven't really seen much game action. So watching that's going to be key. And that's going to be the rebuilding of the defensive line. Um, you know, we, we got some bad news that one of the uh, grad transfers that we were assuming we were going to rely on uh, from Harvard has decided to scorn us for, for Notre Dame. Um, so he won't be there. So we're, we're going to all of a sudden get young again. You know, we brought in um, – we brought in the Clemson uh, and uh, Vanderbilt transfers in uh, in uh, Darnell Jeffries and then uh, Lorenzo Sergers, and they're definitely going to play a role. But especially at that D tackle spot, you know, whether it's Logan Richter, Jalen Lo- Logan, uh, Jalen Logan Redding. Um, even, you know, going all the way back to, to Jacob Schuster and Devin Eastern. Uh, Eastern apparently has looked like an absolute physical specimen, uh, you know, as a redshirt freshman so far in, in spring practice, but obviously doesn't have any any game experience. So uh, those are the guys that are going to have to get some really meaningful reps here this spring and uh, be ready to go because it's probably going to be a, a pretty uh, big D-line rotation again, and all these guys are going to see some action here in the fall. So, um, you know, trying to, trying to nail down who's going to play where, when, on those defensive lines, I think it's going to be really something to watch here over uh, the rest of the spring and then starting right up again in fall camp. Blake, uh, we actually have <clears throat> excuse me, some recruiting news to talk about. Uh, running back uh, joining the fold verbally uh, recently this week. Yeah, Darius Taylor out of Michigan. Uh, he verbally committed, was it um, Tuesday? Yeah. Um, it's been a while since we have a commitment. I think we only have three right now. I think two other were offensive linemen and honestly it feels like ages ago that, that they committed at all. But, uh, but yeah, the big story with uh, Taylor is that he had you know multiple Power 5 scholarship offers including several from Big Ten schools like Iowa, Maryland, um, Michigan State, Northwestern, uh, Rutgers, and Purdue, and Wisconsin. So it's not every day you see you know Minnesota go up against uh, multiple Big Ten schools and come out on top uh, on a recruiting standpoint. But, uh, but yeah, this guy's, I think, an exciting get. He was a slot receiver before transitioning to running back his junior year. Then I think he rushed for about 1,300 yards, 24 touchdowns. So um, he's a back, you know, hits a little hard. He's got good strength, good burst. Um, he also brings, you know, those qualities as a slot receiver, though, too. He, I, I mentioned um, in an interview uh, during his commitment that they want to use him out of the backfield. So, um, you know, that makes complete sense. You know, I think you saw last year with uh, Bucky Irving, he's got similar skill set. They used him out of the backfield very well against Wisconsin, too, you, where you, he used, made, made the most of that field that was vacated by those blitzing linebackers and really made him pay for being as aggressive as they are in, on defense so really hope to see more of that in the passing game but yeah i think he's a good get you know i don't know what um i think the unknown right now is his is his speed he hasn't you know camped anywhere and he doesn't really have a 40 time but uh, i think from the looks of it he seems like he's got the he can look the part of a, of a big 10 running back and he's bulked up quite a bit since making the transition to running back from slot receiver so um hopefully yeah i mean a long way till sunny day as these things always go but uh you know always positive to see Someone pledging for the rune and gold uh, over a lot of other offers from good quality schools. So, quick transition to basketball. Lindsey Whalen in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I think start there. We can maybe move to just briefly over to how badly the transfer portal needs to work in favor of, of her and the and the Gopher staff. But uh, let's let's start with her Hall of Fame induction. 
Lindsay Whalen got the call to the hall. Uh, she'll be in the class of 2022 in the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, joined by fellow gopher uh, Jim Brewer, who, uh, alas, will uh, go in posthumously as he died uh, in 2014, I believe. But um, Brewer was uh, the first African-American star for the Gophers, came in in the mid-60s and was uh, an All-American in 1965 before getting drafted by the then St. Louis Hawks, which moved to Atlanta and six-time NBA All-Star. And he's got his number in the rafters, both in Williams Arena and uh, down in Atlanta. So, uh, you know, great impact for him. But yeah, Lindsey Whalen, obviously we know all about her, her accolades, both playing for the Gophers and then going on, winning four titles with the Minnesota Lynx. Um, you know, really... Uh, deserving really is, uh, you know, as a player, both uh, for the U.S. Olympic team and for the Lynx and for the Gophers, really did all everything she could as, as a player in her career. So uh, congratulations to, to her on that. And and now we just need to see if uh, she can have as much success as the transfer portal as she had uh, on the floor in her career. Yeah, the team is, is currently hurting, uh, you know, it, good recruiting class coming in, but now they need experience, and the only place they're going to grab that experience is is from the portal. Yeah, no the uh, the transfer portal is is in absolute hyperdrive. Uh, the the women's transfer portal this year, I think they're seeing exactly what the men did last year, and they're like, well, it's our turn now this year too. Uh, you know, just somebody I think tweeted out a, a number. There are currently over one thousand eighty women in the portal as of. You know, this, early this afternoon, I'm sure more have joined in, um, and and the Gophers have been have been hurt. You know, they had a couple transfer midseason. Uh, you know, Jasmine Powell uh, got in a bit of a disagreement about playing style with Lindsey Whalen. She decided to leave midseason. She just committed to Tennessee uh, a few days ago. Um, but then you've had some other ones both transfer playing time. But then the one that really hurt uh, earlier this week, uh, star junior Sarah Scalia. Uh, one of the best three-pointers shooters in the country, Stillwater native. Uh, she put her name in the transfer portal, basically uh, in quotes that her dad gave to the Star Tribune said she wants to win, and she doesn't think that's going to happen at Minnesota right now. And, and frankly, after four years of, of Lindsey Whalen and the Gophers, uh, she's not wrong. Uh, this team, unfortunately, has not progressed nearly as well as everybody would have liked. And and now, via transfers, once, once Scalia jumped ship, everybody followed behind her. Minnesota currently has three players on the roster. Uh, of that, they have one player who actually played in more than nine games last year currently on the roster in, in forward along the show. Um, otherwise, they've got... Uh, Maggie Cinzano, uh, a freshman guard who only played nine games last year. And then they've got Katie Borowitz, a uh, sophomore point guard who missed the entire 2021-22 season uh, after having shoulder surgery. So who knows what she's going to be able to bring to it. As you said, we've got four great recruits coming in, uh, the best you know, recruiting class in, in Minnesota history, if you believe the, the rankings. Uh, but Lindsey Whalen's got to find some more talent. Uh, the freshmen, the, the pressure on them is going to be just insurmountable. I mean, you've got four Minnesotans basically coming in to try and save the program. Um, and none of them can play power forward or center. I mean, the, the tallest one they're bringing in is, is Mally Hire at 6'2", but she's much more of a stretch three. Uh, so Lindsay Whalen's got to find some some bigs in the portal who can actually play. Uh, you know, she's brought a couple in the last few years. Kayla Mershon transferred in from Nebraska, and they brought in Bailey Hilgren from Kansas. And they've been just serviceable at best they've been they've been bodies but they haven't really produced 
to the level where you're going to need to produce. I mean, having having the women's Final Four in town last weekend and seeing what a power forward with offensive skills can do, um, looking at Aaliyah Boston from South Carolina, and no, you're not going to get a National Player of the Year type to come here, but even somebody that's got one-fifth the offensive prowess that she does, who can actually put the ball in the basket, you can actually throw the ball to her in the post and expect her to be a scoring threat. Minnesota legitimately probably hasn't had that type of post player since Janelle McCarville. It's been that bad. I mean, Amanda Zowie I take that back. She she was good um, under, under the – uh, Marlene Stallings, but they, they haven't had a, a true post player here. And, you know, you're looking at eight, nine years. So uh, good luck trying to find that ridiculously good power five transfer who wants to come to Minnesota and play right away. Uh, but as I said, the portal is ridiculous. Uh, and it's not just Minnesota. Maryland's two best players, a team that went to the sweet 16 this year, entered the portal in the last couple of days. So uh, you're seeing ridiculously good players enter the portal left and right. Um, and you're seeing, you know, an evolution in sports. It's it's not just the, the freshman class recruit anymore. If you're, you know, if you're a really good team, um, you're looking for that one piece you need and, and can try and find someone who's been on another team for two or three years and bring them in. Um, you know, that, that's how teams are looking to win right now. But uh, unfortunately, Lindsey Whalen's going to have to go the Ben Johnson route and pretty much get a, a wholesale, uh, you know, roster change coming in here in the offseason. Um, and we saw how it worked for Ben Johnson. Fine, but, I mean, there was still to just under 500 record. Um, if Lindsey Whalen finishes with a just under 500 record next year, the, the heat is going to be on her seat big time. So um, it, it's a big offseason for, for Whalen for both good and bad reasons, and uh, hopefully she can try and turn some things around and, and get some talent back on this roster for next fall. Blake, I'm going to turn it to you and take it slightly outside the world of Minnesota Gopher sports here for a final question. Uh, obviously, we've got uh, opening day tomorrow. Um, I am interested in knowing, you know, who do you think fares better this season, your Cleveland Guardians or our Minnesota Twins? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, do, I am impressed that they were able to swing – the Carlos Correa sounding, I did not see that coming. I don't know how long he'll be there with, you know, the opt-outs he has um, the next two years, but, um, you know, kudos to them for making that signing. Um, oh, man, that's tough. Cause I, I think looking back at last season, I would say the twins have done more to improve from where they were a year ago than the guardians have. Um, but I don't know. I, I'd see that. I want to say they're on, they're pretty much on even ground. Um, although I'd maybe give the edge to the twins. Um, I just, there's so many question marks in the guardians lineup. They just, they didn't do anything all, all season to, you know, fill the holes in, in either corner outfield spot or at first base. Um, so I, I think I got to go with the, the twins here as having the better season than the guardians. But um, I, I do think the AL Central will be a little more interesting this year. I do think the white Sox are still cream of the crop, but I think, you know, you saw um, the twins improve the tigers, I think are going to be an interesting team. Um, and the guardians just, they somehow they're just a scrappy organization that figures out how to compete. I wish they didn't have, they don't have to be scrappy. I hate, wish they would actually try and spend some money to improve, you know, as other teams normally do, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting race. And, uh, but I think as of right now, I would probably put I more optimistic about the twins chances than I am the guardians. I love that. I've been told that uh, sometimes teams spend money. And, it's crazy. And bring in talent. And if only my team would choose to do that. It's wild. Up until up until 
a week ago. They didn't have any money on the books guaranteed past this season. No one, no one with any guaranteed money. It's just wild to me. But uh, sounding, you know, not a, sounding a lot like the Cincinnati Reds to me. I I am so disappointed because I love Joey Votto and they are doing him dirty right now. That man, you need to be surrounded that man with with championship caliber players, not tearing the team down. That's just come on. That guy needs to be in the playoffs. No disagreements. I would enjoy a playoff game here in town, but uh, we're just going to have to rely on. Uh, <laughs> I don't actually have anything to rely on here. <laughs> Baseball games in Cincinnati for me for a while now have basically been slightly expensive happy hours. I will say I've been to Great American Ballpark. It is, in my opinion, I've only been to about half the ballparks, but that's that's definitely in the top half, maybe top maybe top six for me of the ballparks I've been to. I really enjoy it. I think the the, the one thing you got to avoid: don't be in the left field uh, bleachers, or actually anywhere in left field for that matter, uh, until the sun gets down. In the <laughs> summertime, when it's humid and the sun is right in your face, you just forget about it. That's just death. Uh, but outside of that, that's a perfectly good place to be uh, when the once the sun is down, and uh, obviously lots of other seats besides those in the ballpark. So the the one time I went the one time I I went there, the giveaway was. The red cap with a mustache attached to it. Ooh. It's like, and it's like it's probably my favorite giveaway that I've ever had gotten at a baseball game before. It's phenomenal. I really think uh, so. When the All Star game was in town, they turned the Scripps Building, which is uh, I'm not even going to try to describe it, but they were able to make it look like Mr. Redlegs with the old school <laughs> hat and the mustache and everything. Honest <laughs> to God, they should have just paid Scripps to keep that up like permanently. Big addition to the skyline having that up there. Uh, certainly would have taken the sting off of many, many bad things uh, for me. But I'm a non-native, so obviously I don't have the same attachment that, that the others do. So, All right, friends. Well, I think that's enough uh, going sideways. We're going to close it out. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Sky U Podcast. Hopefully when we join you next week, we are celebrating a national title. Uh, but in the meantime, go Gophers. Sky U Ma, row the boat. Mm-hmm.